0: Welcome to the Future Farming podcast, my name is Bryony Turner and I head up the team leading on strategy for the Future Farming programme, making sure that DEFRA is on track to enabling farmers to produce food, have profitable businesses whilst also taking care of the environment and the only way we're going to do that successfully is to talk to farmers, to our partners in the farming industry, collaborate to make sure that what we're actually doing works for the sector and that farmers can keep playing the vital role of feeding our country. This episode is all about tenants and landlords. We've got our friends from the CLA and TFA, but we're also going to touch on the environmental schemes and the newly launched Sustainable Farming Incentive. So without further ado, Lynette and Harry from TFA and CLA, would you like to introduce yourselves?
1: Yeah, so I'm Lynette Steele from the Tenant Farmers Association and I'm the Farm Policy Advisor here. Dealing with the wider farming policy, but focusing specifically on the Future Farming and Countryside Programme, which includes the Environmental Land Management Scheme. Alongside my day job, I farm with my husband um, in North Hampshire, and we're an arable and sheep uh, unit with a HLS um, scheme, so fully breathed on the practicalities of running an environmental scheme on the farm.
2: Hello, and I'm Harry Greenfield from the Country Land and Business Association. Uh, So the CLA represents farmers and landowners in England and Wales. Um, I work in our land use policy team, specifically covering environmental policy. Um, And I work on a mix of giving advice to our members and helping DEFRA to shape uh, future policy. So like Lynette, I'm involved in the Future Farm and Countryside program and uh, specifically the environmental land management schemes, um, but also advising our members on on current policy and legislation, particularly environmental ones. So, I spend a lot of time dealing with member inquiries around countryside stewardship and environmental stewardship and making sure that works for them.
0: Great stuff. So, we're recording this beforehand, but by the time people are listening, the Sustainable Farming Incentive Will have launched. Its primary objective is to encourage and improve soil health. There's a standard in there that helps recognise how moorland provide benefits and public goods. And there's also support to improve animal health and welfare by providing funding to help farmers with cost of veterinary advice for their livestock. The plan is to start small and incrementally expand the offer as we learn over the coming years about what's working, what isn't. But initially, there are three standards available in Sustainable Farming Incentive, looking at arable and horticultural soils, improved grass and soils, and also more than standard. So that's out now. It's eligible to tenants. The contracts are three years and there's opportunity at 12 months to expand the ambition of what you sign up to. So you don't have to jump all in at the beginning. There's opportunity to change as time goes on about what it is you want to do on your farm. If you get more confident with what SFI is and what it's all about, there are opportunities within your existing agreement to take on more and to be a bit more ambitious in what you're looking to do on your farm. The tenants in particular will wear not just for SFI, but looking forward to local nature recovery and landscape recovery to make sure that it works for the tenant and landlord as well, to make the most of the schemes and the opportunity to deliver environmental benefits. Lynette and Harry, you've collaborated on some guidance. Do you want to introduce the guidance looking at environmental land management schemes?
2: Yeah, so the CLA and TFA worked together over several months to produce some joint guidance for our members tackling this issue. I think it's um well, I suppose the first thing to say is there's a lot of uncertainty in general within the sector about future policy, future agriculture, the environment's obviously riding up the agenda, and with it, the kind of rise of uh, private sector environmental schemes. Um, and all of this can be tricky for for anyone, but I guess when you add in, add in landlord-tenant uh, issues, it's uh, particularly a level of uncertainty. So we thought we'd try and get some, some common principles um, on paper and out to our members on on what they should be thinking about and how to to navigate that and make it as as smooth as possible. The guidance starts off with some broad principles around what we mean by environmental public goods or or benefits, setting out that one of the principles is that the person delivering them should be the person who receives a payment. Um, but also I think one of the main aims of the guidance was just to to start the conversation between landlords and tenants. I think we want to make it clear that collaboration is is key to this. And, you know, there are opportunities within the new um, agricultural transition of the policies, but also, as I say, outside of that. Um, And sort of the best way to to take advantage of those opportunities is for collaborative working between landlords and tenants and, and starting conversations early. I think lots of people are looking around to think, you know, what should they do? What what way should you jump? Should you go into one of the new schemes? Should you wait? Should you go into a countryside stewardship scheme? Should you look at carbon or biodiversity net gain? And I think whatever you choose to do, having a conversation um, is a good way to start. And this guidance aims to set out some of the things you should be thinking about um, if you want to go into one of these environmental agreements the might want to add a bit more
1: absolutely and you talked fully around what the guidance is there for and and we really hope that this won't just be looked at by landlords and tenants as well it's it's for the wider industry um for agents to also hopefully use as a framework when they're involved in putting together um new tenancy agreements or new tenancy agreements or being involved in in implementing an agri-environment scheme so um hopefully this will be taken on board by everybody who's who's in the industry um trying to get their head around um how this is going to work moving forwards
2: yeah it goes into a bit more detail about particularly some of the i suppose the potential risk around having multiple agreements which is one of the things we identified quite early on that with these different opportunities for environmental agreements of different sorts I think one of the risks would be that landlords and tenants might end up inadvertently entering into incompatible contracts or arrangements that would be at risk of of double funding, which is one of the things that we know that both the government and any private funders want to avoid paying for the same thing twice. So I think that clarity is to... um, if you know if a tenant's already in an agri-environment scheme or is looking to enter one or if a a landlord's thinking of um going into a different type of scheme how does that work how can you kind of um stack different agreements on top of each other or uh, what's the implication if if one party is in an environmental agreement um as to whether another another uh, person can go into one so that was that was one side of it definitely and i think um yeah, it, it tries to to make sure that there's clarity from the outset. And I think because these agreements are, you know, both the environmental land management and private sector ones are still in development, a lot of it's going to come down to the kind of legal details, the nitty-gritty of, of what exactly it is you're signing up to and what that means. So I think we're trying to to make sure that's clear. Um and that everyone's everyone's clear from the outset as to, to what they're entering into.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be really key and is is referred to a lot in the guidance, isn't it, Harry? That clarity is absolutely vital to understand what all parties are doing and what they're delivering. So a really good example of that is hedgerow management um, and establishment. Um, So it might be that a landlord might um, establish a hedgerow. but a tenant might manage the hedgerow. So it's understanding what those environmental gains are, what those outcomes are, and who's actually um, carrying out the management of it um, to receive those payments. So that's just a really good example of how without um, fully understanding the agreements that each party are in, it could become quite messy quite quickly. Um, So... When you look at the guidance, read the guidance through. It does talk and refer to a lot about clarity and understanding. And I, I don't think that can be pushed enough, really. Do you, Harry? That that is yeah. that is absolutely key going forward. Yeah.
2: And I think that's that's absolutely right. And I think it's also about the present and the future. It's about being really clear about what you're doing now, today, or you know, if you're about to enter into a new agreement. But I think that those conversations that we want to see between people will allow you to think more about the future and what you want to see from the future and i think you know that's also important if either landlord or the tenant have a an idea even if it's just an outline of what they want to see from their business over the next five ten years obviously it's difficult because there's so much uncertainty but at least if you know what direction you want to go in you can have those those conversations and try and introduce some of that clarity i think the danger perhaps is if people implicitly or, or you know People want to go in different directions but they haven't necessarily articulated what they want to do and so suddenly you find that at some point down the road their interests kind of clash or, or or you know get get messily tied up as lynette said so i think it's it's being clear about what you're doing now but also about what you what you both want to do in the future and how to how to talk about that now
1: yeah and it's becoming more common legacy schemes coming to an end so whether that's environmental stewardship schemes which have been running for for a long time um, or whether it's a historic countryside stewardship scheme that's still active and maybe in a rollover phase. The guidance also talks about those schemes and how to transition out of those schemes into something new, something that might feel a bit unfamiliar with the tenant taking part in SFI and the landlord maybe doing a local nature recovery scheme or a landscape recovery. So the guidance also talks about how to um, move forward with those discussions, like Harry says, in in maybe achieving new ambitions um, rather than what what has been implemented previously. So I think that's really key and is going to become more key. Obviously, SFI has now launched and um, and we're going to see the LNR come forward in 2023. And so it's going to be really key to understand how you move from one scheme to another. And how you do it
2: collaboratively as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that point of collaboration is also something that's worth echoing, isn't it? Because we, you know, the guidance talks about collaboration between landlord and tenant, but obviously collaboration is is a kind of buzzword at the moment. And given all the uncertainty that we know the sector is facing and the changes in policy will mean people have to think about what their options are. And collaboration seems to be quite a good strategy between farmers and land managers, working together, sharing ideas, sharing thinking. So I think, you know in my mind those kind of open frank conversations and collaboration between landlord and tenant are part of a much wider thing where you know ideally more of the sector should be having more of those conversations generally because I think you can get new ideas and share your thinking and you know everyone's facing the same issues so sharing those thoughts about how to approach them is a benefit in itself.
1: Yeah and one thing that is mentioned within the guidance which I think is It's just something that is key to perhaps focus on when you're looking at collaboration, whether that's doing a joint agreement or two separate agreements is um, the timescale of the agreements and how um, if there's various agreements with different timescales and lengths on the same piece of land or farm or holding, um, then how they're going to work together, deliver those outcomes, but also conclude as well because there will be an end to these agreements and you need to think about that for tenants, that exit strategy potentially, um, depending on the term of your FBT, but also for landlords and how they're going to maybe continue with a higher level agreement um, where the tenant potentially has been doing the environmental work through contract agreement, for example. So I think that's something that actually the guidance touches on, which is, one of those practical tips, I suppose, that is really important to scope out and and fully understand
0: as well. Yeah, that's really helpful to draw on Annette. I know, for example, the tenure for tenancies has been a policy question that we've been niggling with within DEFRA and have really welcomed your input and feedback on the design of our policies. And so in sustainable farming incentive, we've looked to help mitigate that uncertainty. So for farmers on a one year rolling tenancy, it can come to an end within that three year period of the sustainable farming incentive and they can exit it without penalty. So trying to account for different situations for different tenants within the scheme and there's also no requirement for landlord permission for a tenant to enter into the sustainable farming centre in 2022 because we noted kind of the obligation to do that should be part of those bigger discussions between tenant and landlords about the wider agreement because obviously it's not just sustainable farming centre they might want to consider they're also private investments in different structures within those relationships that need to be part of that collaborative and open conversation that your guidance really really helpfully touches on
2: yeah i'm just going to say on that because i think that sometimes it seems to be the discussion about landlord consent is framed in a little bit of an unhelpful way and it might be more useful given what we've all just been saying to talk more about landlord support and you know in the ideal world You've got a supportive landlord who wants the tenant to succeed, who wants their business to be successful, wants to see them take advantage of these opportunities. I think the narrow focus on the kind of legalistic idea of giving consent for them to do something, it's one aspect of it, but I suppose it's more about You know, is the landlord supporting tenants to think about what their opportunities are and to take advantage of them?
1: Yeah, we're definitely seeing that more now with new tenancy um, agreements as well. New clauses being in the tenancy agreements, which talk about obviously this new policy and how it's going to be implemented on farm. So we're seeing a lot more support from landlords to enter into these schemes, whereas previously it hasn't been mentioned in tenancy agreements. So one thing I would definitely advocate is that people read their tenancy agreements uh, before they sign them, whether that's a new tenancy agreement or a renewed tenancy agreement, because we are in a new era of policy so we are going to be seeing these new clauses and these new wordings in there. So it's just to ensure that everybody, both parties, landlords and tenants, fully understand what's in their tenancy agreement, what they're signing up to and um, how they can, within the terms of their tenancy, take part in these schemes. Because one thing that is really important to highlight is that the tenancy agreement takes president over um, an agri-environment scheme agreement. So there's plenty of opportunity here, but it's fully understanding your position that you're in when you enter that tenancy.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make that, yeah, the tenancy agreement, it takes precedence. So I think you just want to avoid a situation which I think you've seen murmurings of on both sides from landlords and tenants of thinking that new policies or schemes upend or, or rearrange the existing land tenure arrangements when they clearly don't. I think you need to yeah start from a tenancy agreement, which may mean, you know, amending or changing it or start from at least what's written in it and then see how that fits with the various environmental agreements that are on offer rather than the other way around.
0: Excellent. Definitely agree on the need to make sure that it works for farmers and farming businesses, because ultimately As we've tried to articulate clearly in the most recently published food strategy, the primary role of farmers is food production. And then the environmental schemes that are on offer from government are an addition to that. So sustainable farming incentive doesn't require land to be taken out of production. We'll be looking to the future towards local nature recovery that could work alongside food production, much like countryside stewardship has. So having that long-term view between tenants and landlords on agreement of expectation, of ambition for the environment whether that's looking at the government environmental land management schemes or high sector schemes that might be coming forward over the coming years I think is is really valuable and is is really helpfully set out in that guidance. If you were a farmer what's the first step I should take if you're interested in broaching those conversations with our landlord what advice would you give to those farmers?
1: So discussion to start with Open that discussion with your landlord or with your tenant and talk about your ambitions for any environmental delivery that you you hope to uh, sign up to and, and achieve on the farm. Work together to understand how you might be able to achieve those ambitions and what each other's ambitions are and set out some clear roles and responsibility on how they're going to be achieved and who is going to be involved. For some, it will be very straightforward, where one party might not want to be involved at all, and it's just a single agreement. Whereas for others, it might be a multi-layered agreement, which is funded through private and public finance. So it could be much more complex. It would also be really important to define who takes on what level of risk and liability for delivering those environmental outcomes.
2: Yeah, I think there's also a role here for landlords to, in some cases at least, act as a kind of almost a convener. I think we've seen some examples of estates with several tenants where the landlord is able to kick off a discussion looking at that bigger scale and longer term thinking about what's the opportunity, what's the potential that the landscape could deliver? How does that fit, as you say, with continued food production? And what are the role of of the different people whose businesses operate within that landscape? Once you start the discussion, I think there's also opportunity to benefit from that sort of collaboration, whether that's, you know, I think we've seen examples where people are looking at doing environmental baselines, which we think is quite a good starting point often to see what you've already got, that's of environmental value on the land, how it could be managed, in the future and how it could deliver more environmental benefits and doing that across for example an estate across several different farms what may be financially beneficial because it could be cheaper to do it once rather than lots of people trying to do their own separate ones and it can can see some of the benefits in terms of environmental activity and how neighbouring farms can complement the activities of each other you know that happens anyway through through farming clusters but there are also examples where forward-thinking landlords are, are playing a facilitation or convening Role for groups of tenants. I think that you know we're probably going to see more of that. I expect.
1: Yeah, there was a really good uh, test and trial down in Devon, the Clinton Estate, who did some really great demonstrating of how tenants can come together and the landlords can come together to deliver those larger landscape scale changes. So that's kind of the ideal,
0: isn't it? Seeing these pop up all over England, hopefully. Excellent. So the Sustainable Farming Incentive, when this is aired, will have launched. Obviously, from a of perspective, we've tested, we've engaged with industry, we've spoken to you guys, you've created this guidance. It has an important caveat that the guidance will change as developments in the sector, in environmental management schemes and presumably wider in private industry as well changes. So I guess it's a don't read it once. It's a keep checking back in, keep talking and keep refreshing oneself of what the latest terms and conditions, what the best practice looks like, and also reaching out for support and advice from you guys. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. I think advice is really important in both Lynette and myself offer advice to our members. So that's one avenue. I think obviously lots of farmers have their own professional advisors or have access to other advisors. So I think you're right. It's not about reading something once and then leaving it alone. It's about, given the pace of change and the uncertainty that's slowly becoming, hopefully, more clear. I think it's definitely something that needs to be revisited. And people's ideas will evolve over time, I imagine. I think at the moment, people I speak to at least don't necessarily have a very clear idea of what the next few years looks like. They have some ideas of the direction they want to go, but a lot of it's contingent on waiting for things to be further developed so yeah i'll have to keep on coming back in touch
1: yeah and we're obviously going to stay in touch with the cla and work on this together because there is this environmental benefit that that needs to be brought the industry needs to engage in it and our members do as well so this is very much a working piece that we're going
0: to continue to talk about along with defra as well so it's kind of a watch this space And I know in DEFRA, we, off the back of some important feedback we got from TFA and CLA, as well as the NFU, established a tenants working group. We've been working for the last couple of months and we'll be reporting back over the summer on not just the work of the Future Farming Countryside programme in the environmental land management schemes, but more broadly how farming policy when Dafra is, is working or not for tenants and what we can do to make things better. And the only way we can do that is to talk to each other and keep talking and learning from what isn't working and adapting and change accordingly. So Harry and Annette, if we're looking to the future in seven years time, what does success look like and also feel like from a tenant's perspective, but also from a landlord perspective?
1: I think success would be ensuring that all farmers and land managers and landowners can contribute and benefit from the new environmental schemes, really recognising everyone's contribution to delivering the environmental outcomes that we are seeking and aiming to achieve.
2: Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think it's about making sure that the transition particularly is managed in a way that doesn't have unintended consequences. We're quite clear now on the goals that we're all aiming for, but... um, how we get there is the is the big question so I think what it looks like in seven years time is that those ambitious goals we've actually got there and that there haven't been collateral damage in the process so there are big opportunities but it's not an easy road to get there is it
0: so a huge thank you to Lynette and Harry for walking us through the guidance messages of needing to collaborate be transparent initiate conversations early and also feedback when things aren't working whether that's to the TFA, CLA or to us in DEFRA who really are interested to make sure that we capture your views, what works well, what doesn't and try and make things better for farmers and landlords as we go and strive for our ambitious environmental goals alongside continuing to produce food for the country. So thank you, Lynette and Harry, for joining me for the conversation. Also, thank you very much to our listeners. If you've got any comments, let's have them. Thanks.
2: Thanks very much. Thank you very much and goodbye.